the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness, by the way after which they came out of Egypt. Now all the people came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness, till all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, whom the Lord sware that he would not show them the land, which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give them a land that flowed with milk and honey. And their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they were not circumcised by the way. And it came to pass when they were done circumcising all the people that they abode in their place in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. So this is a beautiful picture. The children of Israel were wounded to worship. So the Lord takes them into the land. It is a land full of enemies. These enemies could kill them at any moment. The children of Israel have to completely submit and follow the voice of the Lord. And he tells them to do the unthinkable. He tells them to make themselves completely defenseless in the foreign land where you could get slaughtered if the Lord your God does not protect you. This allows them to worship in a way that they would never be able to worship otherwise. I believe that the Lord allows us to be wounded. And in that wounding, like he doesn't cause it. Most of the time it's our own circumstances and our own choices where we get wounded the most. But he allows it in our life and it gives us an opportunity to worship him in such an intimate way. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the enemy has been on the prowl and he is attacking, like he's attacking in our family right now. He's attacking in our marriage. He's attacking in employment. And our country itself is wounded. We are a nation after God. We are under the authority of God and America is falling away. So now's the time to worship. We, we put this into practice. We went down a canyon last, last week um, and I love to take the kids into hard things. And I have our six-year-old Mercy with us and I knew the canyon was gonna be more than she could physically do. So near the end of it, she, she was like on her, she gave me 150% and things were going crazy and it's super fun. That's the moment. Like that's the moment you look for. So in that moment, we stopped, we prayed, and we started praising the Lord. We were wounded 
to worship. So right now, is anybody else wounded in here? Like, do we have wounds? I submit that every one of us are wounded in some way. So let's worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Let's, let's give him praise in our brokenness and see how he uses it for his glory. We're going to pray. Raise your hand. I'll bring the mic to you. And we're just going to praise and pray. If you need prayer also, just let us know, and we will come around you and love on you in the name of Jesus. So, Lord God, thank you, Father, for the hard things. I, I look towards and try to create a lot of them, but some of them I do not ask for a double portion. And I just, I, I thank you for them, though, Lord, because it's when I'm hurting that uh, I'm able to, to meet you in a more intimate place. So thank you for those uh, opportunities that you allow us the chance to depend completely on you. So I, I, I ask that you just meet us here now, Lord, that you cover us with your spirit and you teach us how to truly worship you, to love you and to be your light into a hurting world. Lord, I, I pray for our land. I pray for the hearts of those that are okay with babies being slaughtered. Father, I pray for that, that we put one blood above color. Like we are all brothers and sisters, Father. You've created us all. Help us to see that. Lord, I pray for our country that we come back under your authority and we understand that the marriage union is between a man and a woman. Just give us a heart to meet you now, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, for your body who is gathered together in one accord to worship the King of Kings. Father, you are such a good, good God. May we be so mindful of all the blessings every moment of every day that you give to us. May we be mindful of the people that you give to us that we can disciple. And first, first on that list is our children. Lord, may we be mindful of the commission that you've given to us to make disciples with our kids. That we would get, if we get everything else wrong, but we get that one thing right, Lord, may that be the most important thing that we're doing in our discipleship model. Help us to take that role. There's, there's so many people that can do so many things in this world, but there's only one person that you've, that you've, anointed and commissioned to be a dad or a mother 
to our children. So may we take that role so seriously. May, may we understand as if in an army and you're the general and you've given this commandment and we are to march it out. And in that marching, Lord, may we, may we make sure that everyone knows, our children knows who the right Jesus is. There's so many Jesuses that are being proposed and, and being displayed, and, but there's, there's, there's one Jesus that really can save. The Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The one that always has been, always will be, who was slain and, and, and is alive forevermore, who sits at the right hand of the Father, who we will submit our crowns to shortly. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities you've given us. May we walk in, through every door that you open in this day for the harvest is ripe. Rise up workers who will work the harvest, that will surrender our time and our talents and our money and our, and our calendars, all of that, Lord, that we would work this harvest. This, this hour in history matters. May we pour ourselves out as drink offerings unto your service. Lord, would you bring in the fullness of the Gentiles in our day, Romans eleven twenty five, that you would consummate this age unto your kingdom, unto your glory. Would you have a great harvest, Lord? Would, you, would we not sit idle by, but would we work the harvest unto your kingdom that you would be glorified and made manifest in this day, in this hour? I pray this in Jesus' name. While Brian was praying this morning, uh, God reminded me of something that uh, while Joshua was moving into the land and the people, and it reminded me of when uh, the Lord had originally commissioned Moses uh, to go and tell the people, and I just wanted to read it really quick. It says, uh, Exodus 6, starting verse 6, says, therefore to, uh, therefore to the people of Israel, he's telling them to go say, I am the Lord, and he gives them seven I will say, I will bring you, I will deliver you, I will redeem you, I will take you, I will be your God, and you shall know that I am uh, the Lord your God. I will bring you into the land. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. And then Moses doubts, because this is after <laughs> the Pharaoh is oppressing his people, and all the people are expecting God to move, and he doesn't. So they are afflicted, and they are they're looking uh, for God. And Moses says, Moses has spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Their eyes were on the, uh, on the wounds that God allows. <clears throat> and this is a strange place for God to have allowed that. Uh, but Moses is doubting his commission from the Lord. And in verse 13, it says, but the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron gave them a charge about the people. Um, <clears throat> but Moses tells the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. He had a speech impediment. He doubted his calling. That's verse 12. And then again in verse 30, it says, uh, 
behold, I am un of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? If you're doubting your call as a father or as a mother, if you're doubting your call that God's put in your heart, I just want to lift you up in prayer uh, because the wounding that God allows is for God's purpose. God saw Moses and what Moses, what he had in store for Moses and he, had, and he knew what was in store for Pharaoh. So Lord, I pray that as we um, worship in the midst of what we don't understand, as we worship uh, in, in things that are trying and, and we are afraid, Lord, we are a fearful people. So Lord, I pray that you uh, would remind us that you've not given us a spirit of fear, uh, that you've given us a spirit that we can, we can choose to believe your promises. We can choose to believe that you're a God that walks with us. And so Lord, in the midst of whatever it is we're facing, uh, I thank you that you are a God that walks with us. Uh, and Lord, I praise you for being a God that cares uh, to include us in the grand story that you're writing. And Lord, whether it's our government, and Lord, also, I, I just want to pray that you would uh, tear the lid off of all of this, um, all the stuff that's happened right now uh, regarding the protection of children and those that have um, uh, betrayed the most vulnerable in our society uh, and all over the globe, really. Lord, I just pray that you would, um, you would show yourself mighty, that you would be their redeemer and that you would um, hold those accountable that need to be held accountable. Uh, but Lord, I pray, <clears throat> I pray that you would encourage us with your hand and your voice. R remind us that you not only see, but you walk with us. Amen. And Daniel, who was a man of God, he was a man of prayer. He prays in chapter nine. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by my name. And shortly after that, Gabriel shows up and says, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. Lord Jesus, um, I pray that we, would, um, that we would dare to be like Daniel. Lord, it's, an, it's a children's song that we sang with our girls. But Lord, I pray that we would all sing that in our heart. Dare to be a Daniel. Lord, I pray that we would, that we would um, be diligent in the quiet spaces of our life um, where we can look um, honestly and openly to our need for you. Lord, I pray that, that you would bring us to a place where we need you. Lord, I pray that we would pray bold prayers. I pray that, we, that our prayers would be vulnerable, that we would, um, we would just have softened hearts. Lord, and I, I just thank you. I can't imagine that scene where Gabriel shows up and says, I'm, I'm here because you prayed. Lord, I pray that we would pray expectantly.
in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get together here today and that we get to hear your word faithfully preached. We thank you that we still live in a, in a country that, that allows this, although even that is starting to cave in on us. And I thank you for the boldness and the courage of our pastor and our members of our, uh, of our church family and uh, that they would come here to worship you and hear your word. And just as Scott is, is praying of the false Jesus, Jesuses being put forth and the false gospels that are out there, I pray that you would give us all clarity and boldness of what the true gospel and what the true Christ is. For you tell us that false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. So as to lead astray if possible, even the elect. But we know that as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And Lord, I pray that you prepare us with a foundation of the gospel that, that none of us are deserving, that all of us have sinned, all of us have gone astray, and none of us have done good. But because you have determined to save us and out of your great love you put on flesh and came down for us that Jesus Christ being God from the very beginning never created he was willing to come down never ceasing being Jesus and died for us and took the punishment that we deserve and we we have our faith in that and that he was buried and rose again and i pray that you would grant us all repentance daily that you would expose to us personally the sins that we put aside and just sweep under the rug that you would make us by your holy spirit more and more like christ each day help us to know you better Help us to learn of who you are and your holiness and your goodness and your faithfulness and love. And by knowing better about you, we'd love you more and we'd want to teach others about you and, and spread the good news of Jesus Christ coming for, our, for a bunch of rebel sinners and, and sinners who continue to rebel. But by your grace, we are becoming more like Christ each day. And I pray for courage for our church, that we would see the opportunities that you do put in front of us each day. People who don't have the true gospel, who have gone to church for sometimes a hundred years without exaggeration and believe it is their own righteousness and goodness that's going to get them hopefully into heaven. But Lord, we have the certainty of Jesus Christ because you rose from the dead and we praise you and glorify you. And it's in the, in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
Father God, I was considering as Brian was talking originally about wounds and keeping in mind Daniel's message last week and it brought me to your word in Hebrews 12. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who've been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Lord's wounds are given to us that you're making us more like the person of Jesus Christ and we're being trained, we're being disciplined and sometimes we don't understand it even, even in that exact moment. And even looking back, we may not understand it. But you also promise in your word that he who overcomes shall inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. And you don't call us to a position of weakness or of pity, but you call us to a position of greatness and of inheritance. And Lord, we represent you. We want to be like you. And if we say we want to be like you, then in accountability and transparency, Lord, I say bring those wounds. Refine your church as you're doing. We pray for revival. And Lord, it's happening. People's hearts are on fire. People are being transparent with one another. Conversations are taking place between men throughout the week and between women and, and kids are becoming more like the father and mother that are training them as we look more like the Jesus we love. So Lord, I pray for your continued revival in our midst and that you would continue to bring us into positions of uncomfortability. And if it requires us to be wounded, Lord, I pray that you let us see your purpose in it. And if we stray far away and you need to break our leg to bring us back, then as we say amen, so be it to that. Father, we love you and we thank you for Jesus because we have the example that he went through to guide us. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 12, 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and a gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they who did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but he has now promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made order the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is
God's consuming fire. of my brothers and sisters, young and old in this room, in this place, or wherever they might be right now, Lord, I pray that you would move on our hearts to not hide. This is a safe place. Not because of us, but because your grace is abundant here. So let us bring our wounds to you that we're mad at you about. You know it already. You are a good God, a righteous Redeemer, and a trustworthy Savior. So let us not hide in Jesus' name.
altar again, set me on fire, set me on fire. Here I am, God, arms wide open, pouring out my life, grace fully broken. your people, Lord, we can all stand before you and worship you and say, thank you. That we are gracefully broken. I thank you that at the cross and your son Jesus that bore all my sin. Thank you that I can stand before you and 
preparing for these songs, the Lord put this next song on my heart. Sing. 
supposed to be dreaming, you know, it was Jesus with them, and God hit me with, Abby, it wasn't, I didn't just call them out, like, I, I could have just said, it's time to come out, you're done, he's like, no, I was walking with you, so I don't care if you have a big fire or a little fire, you're in 
we kind of meet and um, our God is walking with us. And so sitting here that day, like I did this week, like your God is walking with you. And we sing that in this song that um, he, he walks with us, he's with us, he is our portion, he's enough for us. And sitting here that day, just declare it. Pray it over yourself until you believe it.
you um, pray with me as I pray? Father, we, we believe. Help our unbelief. As we have already worshipped to you, Lord, we are a wounded people. But you were a wounded redeemer. And so, Lord, as that father cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. I pray that our hearts would cry out in this moment, we believe. Help us to believe, Lord. And help us to live like it. Lord, we believe that you lived a life we would not live, a life of perfection. We believe that you died a death we could not die, redemption for all sin, for all who claim you as the Christ. We believe that you are making us into what we are not yet. We believe that what we do not know, you will teach us. We believe that what we cannot see, you will show us. We believe that what we are being made into, you will complete in the day of Christ Jesus. We believe that your word is living and active. We believe that your spirit is present in this place. And we believe that Jesus Christ, the name above all names, makes demons flee, makes Satan tremble, and makes the world know what love looks like. So Lord, I pray right now that we would continue to worship you as a believing people. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. 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 This was not in my notes or how I had planned to start, but I, um, I just, the Spirit is just telling me that there is somebody or somebody's in here who just has a wound that they have not shared, and the Spirit is convicting you to share it. And you're going to get your chance when the message is over, Lord willing. So um, we're just going to make some time. Um, at the end of the message during our time of response. And so I'm just going to let you and the Holy Spirit wrestle during this time while I teach. Um, but he's going to win. Sooner or later, he wins. So you may as well just step up. If he's convicting you to share something, whether it be just at your table or in front of everybody, we will pray over that. Um, but I just have a sense that there's somebody here who has some business with God. And let's be honest, we all have some business with God. <laughs> Right. So let me ask you a question, back to how I was going to start. Are you true to your words? Are you true to his? Because it matters to Jesus. Like our calling passage, passage showed us today, our words matter a great deal, deal to our loving Savior. He says in Matthew chapter 5, Again you have heard that, I have said to those of, that it was said of those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, don't even take an oath at all, either by heaven or by the throne of God or by the earth, for, or, or, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair black or white. But let, you, but let, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more comes to evil. Guys, is what we are saying and what we are doing 
aligning with Christ and what he would have for us. That's ultimately what this message is about. It, it is summed up in today's question. Is your life believable? Is your life believable? And what I mean by that is, is your life, how you're living, believable because it follows what you're saying? What we just prayed. Do we really believe? Do we live like we believe what we believe? Right? How the Lord convicted me of this just personally was, I, like, am I living my life transparently in every area, including social media, etc., in a way where people would not question what I say about my Lord? Now, he is not calling. We, we are all sinners, right? Everybody here still struggles with sin. Even, even though once we are saved, we're saints, right? We still have a sin problem. And so he's not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying live perfectly. Don't hear that in today's message. What I am saying is when, what we say and what we do when they don't align, it is a affront to a living God because it is tarnishing our testimony of his glory. So the path through uh, the passage today, which is just one verse, actually, so maybe the day the message will be shorter. I doubt it. But the passage today is um, James 5, 12. And what James is going to show us is that we are to let what we say show what we believe. So I entitled today's message, Committing to Your Commitments. Committing to Your Commitments. So let's read the passage today. So open up your Bibles to James chapter 5. James, we've been in it um, now for, since, for about the last, well, this is the fourth week since we've been back, I think, um, in it. We, we started it back in January and took a little break um, as we were in our shutdown and teaching through some other stuff. But um, So here it is, James chapter 5 and verse 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no is to be no, so that you may not fall under judgment. I hope you didn't hurry through your daily reading today because that was it, right? I hope you really had a chance to sort of uh, let this sort of ruminate in your spirit a little bit. But isn't it interesting how much James sounds like his brother? Right? What, what did I just read in Matthew chapter 5? Or what did Brian read in Matthew chapter 12? James had heard his brother say these things, but or at least had heard about his brother saying these things before he even believed his brother or who his brother was. And here he is reminding us, oh, by the way, here's what my bro had to say. But before we get into the meat of the message, I want to point out something. So sort of by way of introduction, I want to point out to you why, like, why this one verse is worth looking at just as one verse. And it's these first few little words. Look at verse 12. But above all. Just think about this for a second. I know it's hard because part of what's hard about teaching it, when we have met like, like our Sunday schedule or whatever is like this letter was not meant to be read over weeks and weeks of time. This, this letter was meant to be read in one sitting to the church, whatever, wherever the church was gathered. And so we're sitting there going, okay, above all, that's not really that big a deal. But it is in light of what the rest of the letter talked about. I mean, think about this. Uh, what James is saying is that above everything else I have to say in this letter, here is the thing. And I'm like, really? Like, really? Just let your yes be yes and your no be no? In, in this series that we're calling Let's Get Real and Get to Work, we're looking at 15 
things that James is telling us. Here's how we know our faith in, in, in Christ is genuine. We've looked at, just to sort of help you sort of see how the above all is really above all, we looked at how, we looked at handling the headlines joyfully. We looked at getting sick of our sin struggles. We looked at practicing what we preach. We looked at letting pride not lead us to prejudice. We looked at showing the light you share. We looked at watching your tongue. We looked at knowing wisdom. We looked at practicing humility. We looked at being non-judgmental. We looked at um, in, that was the last one we, we looked at actually in March 15th. My, my Greek professor taught it back at the school. We came back and we looked at improving your aim. That was four weeks ago. And then two weeks ago, RJ taught on putting people ahead of profit. And last week, Daniel taught on persisting patiently. And I look at that list and I go, really? Like there's some really important stuff here in our Christian walk. And above all things, let your yes be yes and your no be no. How is that above all, James? I don't get it right? It's above all because one, his brother said it was above all, right? What does is, what is Jesus tell us multiple times? Let you, we, we've already read it a couple times today. Let your yes be yes. He also talks about deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He, say, he says things like, leave everything behind and follow after me. He's saying what you say and what you say you're going to do, do. That's his brother speaking. That's Jesus talking. So one, it's, it's a big deal to James because it was a big deal to his brother. But two, it's because he, well, let me back up a step before we move on to the second thing. It's because that, that's a big deal to Jesus and it's a big deal to James to, for us, to, for our, our, our speech and our lives to match. Because what it's showing is, are we pursuing Jesus as a means to the end or as the end? In other words, is our whole life in pursuit of what Jesus will give me or even what he's done for me? Or is, is, is my life and what I say about Christ really about who he is? Like, like if, if God never gives me another thing but Christ, am I still okay with that? Right? That, that's a hard, especially in America. Part of what's going on in our country right now is he's, God is pulling all the other junk away from us to say, am I enough? Am I just enough? Just me, as the end. Not as a means to a better life, just, as, just because I am better than your life. So it's also important. So the first thing was, it was important to Jesus. The second thing was, when our words and our lives don't match up, and I, and I prayed this, and it, it is an affront to our gospel witness. Like ultimately our walk here, I mean, if, if all Christ had interest in your life in was to save you and you're here and you are saved, you have come to faith in Jesus, you know that he's your savior, then why hasn't he taken you home? You're going to be much better at, at, at praising him and worshiping him in heaven than you are here. So why not take you home? Because there's work for you to do here. What is the work for you and I to do here? It is to be his witness, to be his ambassadors. Right? And so if, if what we're saying but what, and what we're doing are not matching, how are we possibly an ambassador for Christ? And ultimately, that's what James is, is really talking about. Guys, our, what's at stake in this verse is the ability of our lives to preach the gospel. What we say and what we do to preach the gospel for his glory not for ours. For his kingdom, not for ours. And that's why he cares so much. In fact, that's all he cares about, because he wants us to show him off. 
That's why he leaves us here. That's the only reason he would. There's nothing we can do for him better here than in heaven except show a world him. That's it. That's the only thing we can do here better. Because we don't need to show him there because he's everywhere there. So that brings us actually to our first point. So we looked at, so look at the first, so above all, huge, so he's like, listen up. James is going, above every other thing I've, I've said in this hard-hitting letter, above everything else, here it is. So this, this is, it is, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or, or with any other oath. And that's our first point. Let, let what you say, is my, my first point, so let what you say is my way of saying do not swear. Do not swear. And, and swear here is not like foul language swear. Swear here is like, don't make an oath, right? Don't say in the Lord's name, I'm going to, that sort of thing. It is actually, the, the phrase there, do not swear, actually means promise solemnly, invoking some sort of a divine witness. So when he says don't swear, he's saying don't invoke God as your witness in what you're about to say. Now guys, people have turned this passage and the passages we talked about that Jesus spoke, like let your yes be yes and your no be, into some sort of argument about oath-taking. This is why, guys, the Anabaptists early in the, after the Reformation, the Anabaptist movement, they became like the Church of the Brethren and um, my, like my, my spiritual heritage, although I, it's not really, but like my dad was Amish until he was in grade school. Those, th that, that lineage of Christ, Right? They took verses like this and they said, this is why we will not make an oath in a courtroom. This is why we will not make an oath like if we joined, if they actually were not pacifists and they joined the service. This is, this is to, to say that this, these passages are about not saying, like, like I, saw, I tell the truth, so help me God. To say, to, well, I can't say that because these are, it's to miss James's point. It's to miss Jesus's point. James, what, what, it's not about civil oaths. It's about what are we speaking about God? Like to stand in a courtroom and say, the judge says, you know, put your hand on the Bible, which I don't even know that they even do this anymore. Probably not. Which, is, which, which as an aside, isn't it ironic that the same courts that have, that have actually like removed God from our society are the ones trying to figure out how to get people to tell the truth when they're sitting up in the, in the stands. I'm like, well, how about in the, or in, the, in the seat, in the witness stand? How about if you put God back in our society? That, that's an aside. So I'll come back here and say, oh, but, but honestly, like, this is not about civil oaths. And, if, and to make it that would be to miss the point that he's making. Now, if you may think differently, like, you may think, absolutely, I believe that, that we should never make an oath. Like, I would never say, so help me God. Because, and guys, it's okay. That's all, there's freedom there. Like, this is not a clear thing in scripture. So I'm not going to make it a main thing for us. So you can, you can do with it what you, what you will. But Jesus is ultimately, Jesus and James are addressing something here. This is the point. They're saying there should be no reason to invoke the name of God because people should just know you're going to tell the truth. That's the point. The point isn't, am I, am I putting my hand on a Bible and swearing? The point is, why, why is there a need to in our society? Why do they even do that in our culture? The answer is because we're a bunch of liars. Like, and, and not just in what we say. We tell little lies. Why, like, yeah, honey, that, that dress doesn't make you look fat at all. 
right? Like that, like we, we tell all kinds of things like that. But, but it's also just in how we live. Like, like we don't match what we live and what we say. Guys, think about this. We, we know this to be true even in our own childhood. Why? Because what did you do on the playground? You, you said you were going to do something, and then when your friend called you out on it, what did you say? I had my fingers crossed. Right? We've, we've learned little ways around telling the truth. So then we come up with really foolish things like cross my heart and hope to die. What is that? You know what that is? That's somebody who's been proven to be a liar, so their friends don't believe that they're actually going to do what they just said they were going to do. So somehow they think they're going to up the ante by going, but I cross my heart and hope to die. You see, yeah, but Doug, we, we, we've, we've, we've outgrown that. We're adults now. Oh, really? Have you read the fine print on any of the things that you sign on to on your, on your computer? What do you think all that fine print is for? It's to hide all the stuff that they don't want us to really know. Right? We, we have just gotten better as adults at nuancing, well, we're, we're telling you this, but over here is really what's going on. And look, you, you've even told us it's okay. Guys, when we have discussions, and I'm not making this political, I'm just saying when we, have, when we actually have a phrase, if I use, I'm going to use this phrase, and, I, and I, I probably shouldn't use this political phrase, but when we say something like, it depends on what the definition of is is, as a society, as a people, we should recognize our own failure. We have gotten really good at playing the deception game, right? And what James is telling us and what Jesus was telling us was, no, don't let what you say be true. Because do you remember the scene in Isaiah chapter 6? When it says in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, I saw in the, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the, it helps me when I close my eyes when I say it. When I saw the Lord holy and exhausted, exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. And, and the threshold of the very temple was shaking. And there were these seraphim flying around the room with six wings. And with two they covered their eyes. And with two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. And one cried out to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. Do you remember what Isaiah's response was? I am undone. Why? I heard somebody say it. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Because here's Isaiah, the prophet of God. He didn't go, I, oh, I am undone because those people have a problem. He's like, I, I'm undone because I am those people, and we have a problem. Because the church is not immune to this. In fact, I would say the church is worse than the world in a lot of ways in this regard. Because we, we tend to do a couple of things. One, we, we want to err on the side of being gracious, so we don't want to speak like hard truth to each other, so we lie to each other. And the other thing is, this is what we've gotten really good at, is we create, we, we create division and dissension and, and are a little disingenuous on the under the pretense of I'm seeking godly counsel and I'm just asking for a prayer request. You know, I'm, I'm really struggling with, um, I'm really struggling with Adam, you know, David. So, so, you know, if you could just help me out, because this brother right here, you know, he has not held up his word to me and he's, uh, you know, but I, 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 I'm not saying anything bad about him. I just want you to just pray for me in my heart for him, would you? Right? 
Like, we're really good at that in the church. And the world knows it. And it is crushing the witness of the church. It just is. When they see us fighting against each other, individually and corporately, churches against church, because it is such a horrible witness, because they're, we're saying we love Jesus, God is love, all this, and, and yet what we're doing is backstabbing and biting each other. And that's been true from the beginning. In fact, biting and devouring each other is in the first letter Paul writes. Why? Because the church right out of the gate is biting and devouring each other. And it's because they just simply wouldn't let their yes be yes. Guys, we want to make it all about like the world is not trustworthy. The, world. Guys, the, the battle for marriage, I'll, just, I'll bring it, the battle for marriage is, was not, through, is not the LBGTQ XYZ community. The battle for marriage started with something called no-fault divorce. And the man who first signed that into law in the, in the United States was Ronald Reagan. Not to get political. And, and ever since then, there has been a fight for what God's plan for marriage really is. But the church embraced no-fault divorce. Now guys, there are reasons to be divorced. I'm not, don't feel, I'm not here to make anybody feel, this, this message isn't about divorce. My point is, we, we tend to think, yeah, the world has problems with telling the truth or sticking to God's truth. So does the church. So, do, so does this church. So does this pastor. Right? And if we, don't, if we don't start here, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. There is no hope in actually fixing what James is telling us to fix here. Now, guys, I get that this is a lot to chew on. Like, I, I, like out of the gate, in the first 15 minutes, I've hit you with some pretty, like, I thought I came here to feel better, pastor. Like, seriously, come on, man. But here's what I want you to do. I'm going to have you take a few minutes, and we're going to I'm just take and at your tables, and I want you to talk about this question just as a way to process together why this is true in our society. So here's the question. How cynical has society become? How about your own heart? Now here's the question, and I want you to just take, just take a couple minutes at your table and talk about this. Why is it so hard for us to trust what people say? Go.
Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask for some feedback, but I wanna sort of stir the pot a little bit more. And here's why, yeah, I know, <laughs> thank you for laughing. Um, so here's, so what, let me ask, what ultimately is behind our trust issues with people? Our own hearts. And, 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 and what's it, and so absolutely. And what's even behind that, like what do we know about our own hearts? That what? That it's deceitful, right? Now who is behind that deceit? It's a who, not a what. Which enemy? Satan. Like, like we have to catch this for what it is. Like the truth is, it, it is, it, it, we, are, we, are, we are kingdom, we are in, we're in a battle for kingdom, right? And this kingdom down here right now is controlled by the ruler of this world, the Bible says. And that ruler is Satan. And he's all about lying. And that's why he's the father of lies and deceit. And, and so, so everything from your fine print on whatever your contract is to some of the stuff you guys were talking about at your table, ultimately what we have to recognize is that what's behind that, who's behind that is Satan. Because the other kingdom is Christ's kingdom. And, and here's what's interesting. If you remember, um, and I'm just going to read part of it to you. Don't turn there. But in John 18, when Je so, this is, so Jesus is walking to the cross. He's already been arrested. He's been beaten. He's in front of Pilate now. And, Pi and he and Pilate are engaging. And Pilate is looking for a reason to let this guy go. He's like, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with him. And do you remember what, what Jesus, so, so Pilate says to him, so you're a king. Can you imagine, this is like the ruler of that part of the Roman Empire. And he's like, so you're a king, beaten, you know, just a mess already. And here's Jesus' answer. You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born. And for this I have come into the world. Here's the this. To testify to the truth. Because that's this kingdom. Deceit is down here. Do you remember what Pilate's response to Jesus was? What is truth? That's what the world is asking over and over and over again. And here's the problem. When we speak truth, meaning we speak God's word, but we're not living it. And again, I'm not talking about living sinlessly, but when, we're, when we struggle with what we say about the word of God and how we're living for God, when those things are not in line, the world is looking, the world is Pilate going, what is truth? You guys, say you, you guys say you have the truth. You say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you're supposed to be little Christ followers and be like him. So why aren't you walking out and living out and speaking out the truth of who he is? And in your whole life, right, it, it, is, it is, this is not, this really is like, it's not a word issue, it's a witness issue. It's not just about, it's, it's about, it's not about the words we speak, it's about our witness, I guess is what I'm saying. So, so what is the solution? If here's the problem, we have, it is for this reason to testify to the truth, and someday the truth is going to come here in full, and down here we got the father of lies, what's the solution? So I'm just asking, like in light of your conversation at the table, or just like, like generally, what, what, do we, what do we do? I need help. Go ahead. No, no, you just got to be quicker. It's on. I, no, it's on, I promise. We played this game. Uh, so 
what he would do, and then be that. It, it takes a long time to overheal because it's mm. going to be negative against the yeah. Awesome. So I don't know if you heard the first part of Teresa's, but she said, if I've been wounded or hurt by somebody, I need to ask God, like, what, what would he do? What would he have me do? Right? So, so, so in that, what, what is she doing? With, with, maybe she knows she's doing it. Maybe she's not. What is she doing? There we go. She's saying, okay, I need to go back to what truth is. Right? Like ultimately what we have to be doing is, as followers of Christ, not just big picture church-wide, but individually in, in relationships with husbands and wives and children and siblings and, and co-workers and classmates, and, is we need to be filtering what, what is true about my, like right now my wife said something that was not very nice to me. Last night she made me mad. That's true in my life. It just is. Like I, I can't deny that. We'll talk about it later. And, but what is truth is that I know she loves me. I know she cares for me. I know she's not leaving me. And what is even more truth is that I do that to Jesus every single day. And he looks at me and he goes, I love you, Doug. I'm not leaving you, Doug. I'm still right here for you to, this morning, Doug. Right? Like, so we have to constantly be filtering the deceptions and the lies of the enemy what we feel to be true with what is truth. And what is truth is the word of God, right? It does not change and it will never return void. So we got to keep going here. So the, we need to let what we say, right? So first thing was above all. So this is the most important thing. Let what you say, Don't, do not swear. Now look, at the, now look at the rest of the passage, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you will not fall into judgment. Guys, I want you to get this right now. Jesus saved all of his harsh words. Jesus saved all of his harsh words for people who professed to know the truth and did not live it. The only time he was harsh with people the first time he came was on people who professed to speak God's truth, but were not living God. They were actually lying about God's truth. He was pretty harsh to them. And you're going to read about that some in your daily readings this week. But here's the other part. He's going to be even more harsh the second time he comes. Because the second time he comes, he's not coming as a lamb to be slain. He's coming as warrior king. And at that point, the people who don't know the truth of who he is and haven't come to the cross, it's too late for them. Right? He will make the truth crystal clear. And time is short, eternity long, death is certain. We need to be about the business of sharing him with people. So let what you say show what you believe. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Basically, here's what James is saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. Just do what you say you're going to do. Just do, what you're, just do what you say you're going to do. Let your words and your actions match. Guys, when we are deceitful or even careless with our words, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I'll call you tomorrow, and we don't. That is not, you're not damned to hell. This, I'm not, this is not a salvific thing. 
but you are not only hurting your, your relationship with whoever that person is you promised to do that for, but you are tarnishing your witness for Christ. If, if, as believers in Jesus, when we say we're going to do it, James is telling us, Jesus is telling us, do it. Guys, here, here's, here's how, back, back to that kingdom thing. I want to go back to the heart of the letter of James. Turn back to chapter 3, verse 14. So turn back a page to chapter 3, verse 14. It says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, this remember, I talked about this multiple times. This is really the heart of the letter of the book of James. And I, and I showed you why when I taught on it. I'm, you can go back and listen to that message some other time. It says, but, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above. There's that kingdom speak. This is where I'm getting all this kingdom talk. It's not, it's not the truth it's that, that Jesus said, I came to testify to the truth, but it is earthly, natural, demonic. It is of the kingdom of Satan. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Now turn the page, or at least in my Bible, I turn the page to verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Guys, do you get it? Do you get what James is showing us there in the heart of the letter? He's saying there are, he's, what I was just sharing earlier, there are two kingdoms. Kingdom A looks like verses 14 through 16. Kingdom, or this, this kingdom, kingdom B looks like verses 17 and 18. And, and, and how we speak, the kinds of words we use, and he lists like what our disposition is like in both kingdoms, tells us what kingdom we're really ambassadors for. So I'm going to ask, again, is what you're saying and what you're doing aligning with one another and with Jesus? Is what you're saying and what you're doing aligning together, or is it like this? And also, and just as importantly, or more importantly, with this, with Christ, who is the Word. If it's not, then we're not really living as kingdom people. Of all the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, the first part of Matthew 5, 1 through 9 or 10 is the Beatitudes, the blessings. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Here's my favorite one, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, guys, the word sons of God, there is not a thing about male people. I've talked about this before, but it, is, it was a colloquialism. Sons of God in the time that Jesus walked the earth would have been, say, like for us saying, they're in the family business. Because that's what sons did then. If your dad was a carpenter, Joseph, you were a carpenter, Jesus. So when he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, he's saying, blessed are those who make peace, who, who, who spread my peace, because they're about the family business. And we want to be a people. And I, and I believe very, very much so, like, like no group of believers I've ever been blessed to be a part of, the Lord has made us and is making us we got a long way to go, we all do, into sons of God. We are about the family's business. Lead with love. Extend grace. Churches are blowing up all over the place because they're not doing those things. They're backstabbing and biting and devouring. And, and, and you guys, 
in, a, in an incredibly hard season like no other time in my 14 years of ministry has this been a time where it's so easy to be verses 14 through 16 of chapter 3. You guys have been verses 17 and 18. And I seriously could not be more proud to be the pastor of this church. Um, but we are about the family business. Now, before we go into our time of response, I just want to finish it up with this last part because it's really important. The last part of our little verse, one verse says, all of this so that you will not come under judgment. Because the word judgment there, the, 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 or the phrase fall under judgment actually could be translated, and maybe it is in your Bible, um, would be not be condemned. That you would not be condemned. It, is to, it, it really it brings to mind the mental picture of, of even unintentionally entering into something. So James is saying, guys, even if you don't mean to live this way, let your words and your deeds and it match, you can unintentionally fall into this. Now, we have to, this is why it's so important, to, and I had to stop here and talk about this, especially as we go to the cross and communion and our time of response, is does Jesus judge us for what we do? Does Jesus judge us for what we do? Okay, there is reward for what we do. I'm not asking, does Jesus care about what we do? Does he care? Yes. Is there reward for, for everything I just said is not negated by this question. But does Jesus, is our judgment based on what we do? No. Right? And, and I get that that's a hard, like, we go, okay, well, how, he cares about what we do. Yes, he does. He rewards what we do. Yes, he does. How that works, I don't have any idea. But our, our judgment is based on what we believe about what he did. We don't do, so he'll do it. He did it, so we do. That's the key. Right? Now, we have to remember that. We have to, so, so, so wait a minute. What is James, what is his brother talking about? He's saying you're going to fall into judgment. It's a heart thing. It's always a heart thing for Jesus, right? Isn't, isn't it always? What, what he's saying is you could, you could make your speech and your actions match perfectly with this word, but if it isn't to bring God glory, it means nothing. This is not about walk out of here and just start doing better. It can never be about that. It has to be about going, Lord, help me walk out of here and live for your glory. Right? Because if that's your heart, the, the doing will come. Don't, st don't start with the doing and then go, okay, so I, I just got, because, because you're going to fail. Like we're all going to walk out of here this week and, and not follow through 100% with something that we said. What do we do in that moment? Go, I'm judged? No. We say, you know what? Praise God for the cross. Right? Praise him for the grace that flows from the, praise God that, that he knows that about me. And, and, and yet, go, okay, so Lord, help me by the power of your Spirit in me to live in a way that, witness, that, that testifies and is a witness for you. That's ultimately what it's about. Guys, it's, very, it's James, Jesus, all this stuff about yes, yes, no, no. Ultimately, what it's saying is, it's, Jesus said it himself, out of the overflow of your heart, so your mouth speaks. 
So if, if you want to know, if, if you or I want to know what our heart condition is, one of the, according to Christ, one of the best thermometers for that is what's coming out of your face? What's coming out of your thumbs? What's getting posted on social media? What conversations are you having with people in and out of the body of Christ? Right? Jesus is making clear. James is making clear. Guys, words matter. Words matter greatly. Right? But ultimately, what matters about them is how are they testifying about who you say you believe. And we know this, like, intuitively. What, what, what's the phrase? Actions speak louder than words. Right? So we know that. It's just a little hard for us to believe that. So as the music team comes up and the, and the team that's going to be sending the communion trays around comes up to do that, I'm going to ask the question again, is your life believable? Is your life believable? Because don't say it, whatever it is, if you don't mean it. Don't say it if you don't mean it. But, but, but understand this, and this is the part I, I want to give some time for, for, guys, Jesus has freed us from the need to lie. Here's why we lie. Here's why we lie. Self-gratification, right? Because, because like Sean, Sean was saying, we're, we're all, like our hearts are deceitfully wicked, and, and we just, in our fallenness, we just struggle, right? And here's the other reason we lie. So one is just, I'm, I'll just be honest, I'm a selfish pig. That's why I lie. Here's the other reason. I'm afraid of what you're going to think of me. As we live in the fear of man and woman, we, we, so we say things that we either will not or cannot do or will not or don't even believe because we're afraid of what people think of us. And, and, and guys, I, I'm, it's something the Lord has been wrestling with me through really since about January. If you're living in the fear of man, if you're worried, if, if you're constantly worried about, and, and a lot of it's subconscious, if you're constantly worried about what other people think of you, it is almost impossible to live the life James is telling us to live in, in chapter 5, verse 12. Because you will, you will be compelled to lie and or just deceive, or because you're in, you're in like self-preservation mode all the time. But Jesus has freed us from that. Jesus has freed us from the need to lie. He's freed us from the, from the, from the need to fear other people. There's no, there is no, there's no room at the cross for those things. Right? He, le he leveled it all. So we have, to, though, we have to embrace that. Like We have to believe that. We have to step into that. And say, okay, so, so what is it that I'm, like, what is it that I'm holding on to? What is it that I'm afraid of? What is it that I can't let go of that's causing me to live in this deceit and or fear? And then take it to the cross. At your table, there are white cards. They're there every Sunday. Right? There's a bunch more over here on the table. I want to challenge you that during this time of response, the music team's going to play something, I don't really know what, and, uh, and, and I'll come back up and lead us in our time of communion. But during this time of response, I want to ask you, and I'm going to pray for all of us, that you would let the Holy Spirit search your heart and say, what, what things have I not 
um, like what, what needs to go to the cross? What do I need to release to Christ so that I stop feeling fear of other people, so that I stop living like I, like I almost have to lie about who I am and what I believe? Right? Give it to him. He knows it all anyway. If you're whoever that, those people are that are saying, you know what, I felt convicted that I need to share something about my life. Microphone's right up there. Come up and use it. Right? Just take some time and be honest. Don't walk out of here today without doing business with God. Let me pray. So Father, I thank you, Lord, for the truth of who you are. I thank you, I thank you for the truth that you did. That we don't do so that it'll be done. You have done it, so that's why we are um, compelled to, to live lives for you. It's, it's as a response to your love for us, not to earn it. There's, no, there's nothing a single person in this room can do that will make you love us more. Nothing. How do we know that? Because the cross, the cross, like an exclamation point on the end of the sentence cries out, I love you. I know you fully. And I love you completely. I know every lie you've ever told that you're going to tell. I know every deceitful story or division that you've created or are going to create. I know it all. And I love you anyway. So help us to embrace that. Help us to, to lean into you in that. Not to hide stuff. But right now, in the name of Christ, I pray that your spirit would move on our hearts that you would fillet us open, that we would rend our hearts and not our garments, as the prophet Joel says. And that as you open up our hearts, stuff that we don't even maybe know is in there would come out and we would stick it to your cross or we would tell a brother or sister in Christ or we would confess it before the body or whatever your spirit's telling us to do and we would find freedom. Jesus has freed us. And if we are free in Christ, we are free indeed. In his name we pray, amen.
remember right before that scene that Ian read Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples do you remember what the first thing he did was he washed their feet before he even went to communion as, as part of you know, the early church practiced that as part of their communion I'm not saying we're gonna, just saying they did. Do you remember who was in the room? Judas. Every one of those men walked by that basin. They all knew what it was for. But because there was no servant in the room to wash their feet for them, Jesus said, I'll do it. And he intentionally did it when his Judas was in the room. I am not Jesus. Father, forgive me for the bitterness that I hold in my heart. Maybe I'm the one who needed to come up here and share. 
I have a hard time with my Judases. Thank you for your grace that empowers us, empowers me to forgive and release and love. In Jesus' name. But there's something that Jesus didn't let Judas do. Because this is not about, today's message is not about living a sinless life. Don't get that, like, don't sit here and go, oh, he's calling all of us Judases. Because every man in the room with Jesus was a sinner. There was only one man in the room that wasn't a sinner. Every one of them was a sinner. But it's to them, the other 11, that he institutes communion. That he says, I am establishing a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. No more Passover lamb. I'm the Passover lamb. But why didn't he let Judas take the cup? Where's the forgiveness in that? Here's why, because he knew Judas's heart. It wasn't about the sin that Judas was about to, to do. It wasn't about the betrayal. It was about the fact that Judas didn't really believe what he was saying. The other 11 were just goofballs, like us, right? They believed it. They just couldn't do it perfectly. And he's going, yeah, for you guys, there's grace. Because you're, you're fighting it out with me. And you're letting me fight it out through you. But to Judas, he couldn't let him take the cup because Judas didn't believe what he was saying. He was telling everybody he was following Christ but he really wasn't. That's, that's, the, that's what the Lord hit me with even just this morning as, we were, as I was thinking about communion, thinking, guys, like, like no other time in our service, this should be the pinnacle of, of our moment here this morning, of, of our gathering, because every one of us should be asking ourselves during the time we just had right now, do I really believe? Not under perfection. Because none of those 11 that took bread that first night of communion were perfect. None of us in this room are perfect. But from a heart that hungers, that says, as we started the message, totally unplanned, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Right? That's, what, that's all Christ is looking for. When he held that piece of bread up, he's just saying, brothers, so take your bread He's saying, brothers, brothers and sisters, do you believe? Do you believe that the life I lived, I lived for you? That all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the suffering, all of the rejection, all of the hunger, all of the sleepless nights, I did it for you. Do you believe that? If you believe it, take this and eat. And then he took the cup of redemption and he held it up and he said, brothers and sisters, do you believe? Do you believe that my blood 
is going to be shed for the forgiveness of sin once for all time. That there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no reason to beat yourself up about stuff. There's no, because I did it. I will not nullify the grace of God because if righteousness could be lived out through Doug, then Christ died on the cross for nothing and God would not do that to his son. Do you believe? If you believe, take the cup. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for the truth and the picture of grace that we celebrate together. I thank you for the truth that we believe. Even as we walk out of here and say, help my unbelief, I love that you know that. I like, it's, it's just amazing to me that you, that you knew in the upper room when you were doing communion with, your, with the 11 that, that they were going to scatter. Even when they said, that they were gonna stay with you to the end. You knew that wasn't true. But that's okay. Because your grace covered that. You are the great redeemer. You are the great restorer. You are the great renewer. You are the one that speaks not only truth to us to bring us alive in Christ, but then you speak your truth through us that we would walk in Christ. So as we came to you completely completely and utterly dead spiritually, dried up, hurting, wounded, scarred. May we walk as completely wounded and scarred people, but not dried up because your Holy Spirit now indwells us. You have set us free. Let us live as freed men and women, children of God. Let us be about the family business and share the truth that you are a God who will move heaven and earth to make peace with your people. Lord, I thank you for this sweet body the body of Christ. I thank you for the gathering that we have here in this place because it reminds me of you. Because you're here. This is as close to heaven as we're going to get this week. This is as close to heaven as we're going to get this week. Let us just soak you in that we might breathe you out for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you guys stand and sing the last song with us? Yeah.
God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy brings unending love, amazing to shine but God who called me here below will be forever mine will be forever mine if you're his sing this out you are forever Thankfully, we'll be able to still meet here through the end of August. Amen. Woo! The school, however, that we were meeting at says that we can't return until at least mid-October. So just keep praying for God's provision and direction during this time. Be on the lookout for some exciting news about what we are doing for our discipleship groups this fall. Uh, it will be coming soon, so pray about who you might want to be in a group with and start connecting now. Just tap on their shoulder and say, I want to be in a group with you. And groups start the week of September the 7th. Speaking of connecting, to get better connected to the body of Christ by serving the cornerstone, find out more about what that looks like at the connect table in the back, okay, as you, as you guys are leaving. Because if you're not using your giftedness, then we're missing part of the body. Next week's message is pray early and often out of James 5, 13 to 18 in God's word. And, and Doug doesn't even know this, but this has completely broke me as I, I even wrote this out. But let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each other in prayer. Amen. You guys are dismissed.